0: Now, when you got saved and you came under a new master, which was the Lord Jesus Christ, which is brilliant, in that you were given a new heart, you were given um, a new spirit, and you were indwelt by the Holy Spirit, which, again, brilliant, great news. Something that didn't happen, though, and unless you had a very different experience to everyone else, the next morning when you woke up, it was still you. The flesh that you had, the body that you had, was still you. That did not generally change. Sometimes people's faces change a bit because they suddenly get happy when they've been miserable for so long, and their faces do change, and people say, you you look different, or you look years younger. Um, But ultimately, your body is the same. There is a day, we look forward to it, when our bodies will be renewed. We'll be given a new body. Um, that all the aches and the pains and all the problems will be done away with. And we don't know what that body's like, but we just trust it's going to be excellent. Um, And so there will be a day when you'll get that new body, but that's not now. And so when you become a Christian, what you still have is this inherited body, the bones, the flesh, but also the way it is used to acting and the desires that come with it. Because actually you realise there are certain desires and ways of acting that are inbuilt into our body. Just like how um, an addict, for example, their craving is not just a mental thing, it's not just a spiritual thing, but it's a flesh thing and it craves uh, things in the body. And so when we think about the flesh, what we're talking about are desires that are natural, or very often very natural desires, but they have been influenced... By broken relationship, because when God created man, when God created Adam and Eve, they were whole, they were perfect, and there was no broken desires within them. All their needs were met, their security, their acceptance, their significance was met in God. They weren't thinking, where's my next meal coming from? (coughs) They didn't have that kind of worry. They didn't think, oh, is someone going to come and rob me? Is someone going to come and beat me up? They didn't have that kind of worry. They were just secure because there was perfection in the environment even they were in. And there was no sin within them. But when sin came into the world, they began to start to have to take care of themselves. So straight away, they realized they were naked. And so they started clothing themselves doing a really bad job so that God actually did a better job for them. But they started thinking, oh, how do I cover my shame? They started thinking, how do I get out of trouble? So they started blaming each other. And so as we realise the history and the development of this is that without God, we have to take care of ourselves. We have to put in constraints and systems that, that give us security. And so, for example, to make you feel more secure, would it make you feel more secure in life if, if I said, here's £100,000 to go in your bank account, would that make you feel more secure? Now, for a lot of people, you think, yeah, actually, that would make me feel secure. I don't have to worry then about paying the bills and all this kind of stuff. But even as we were encouraged, this is thinking as the world thinks. And God is calling us to think a different way, that our security is never based on our bank balance. Our acceptance is never based on how people treat us. And all these kinds of things, and so we have these desires, that some of them are not, the desire itself isn't necessarily bad, the desire to feel secure is not bad, but we're so used to, satisfying that desire in a wrong way, that this becomes an ingrained pattern in our life and way of living, so that when we become a Christian, all that is not wiped out the way. It would be lovely if it was, but it's not. And we still have this flesh. We still carry it around. And the thing that was on my heart for us this morning is to realise that a lot of the time Christians are trying to walk after God, hungry for God but they don't realise they've got this handicap of the flesh and they have not dealt with it and so their walk is hindered and sometimes you might feel like oh, you know I'm passionate for God, I want God I'm going for God but there's always something that is knocking you back and, and bringing you down and the thing that God put on my heart is because Often we don't deal with the flesh. And so when we look at the scripture I read, it said, walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Because the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And so there's this battle going on that says, I want to do what's right, but I find I'm not doing what's right. And so we have to understand how we can walk in a way that is free. Because God desires for you to walk in a way that is free, that is life-giving, that is whole. And if that, if that was the gospel, just try your best, but, you know, you've, you can't really succeed, then that's not much good news. Because there is good news, and that's not how it needs to be. And that's not how it should be for a believer. But we must realise that if we are left to our own devices, if we do not follow God, then ultimately... We will sin. If we think about it, there's a famous story where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane just before he's going to be crucified and he says to his disciples, stay up and pray with me this hour. And he goes off a little bit and they're left on their own and they all fall asleep. And he comes back to them and says, what are you doing? You're falling asleep. This is really important. I feel like he's almost like, don't you understand how important this is right now? And he says he goes off again And then they fall asleep again. And then they come back and they're like, oh, sorry. And he's like, don't worry, it's too late. Here come the groans. And as he says, he says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And we can be in that position where our spirit can be very willing, but our flesh can be very weak. And we need to work out, what do I do about that? So if we think about, what does it mean to crucify the flesh? Because this is what... Paul said in verse 24 of Galatians 5, said those who belong to Jesus Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And so if you belong to Jesus Christ, you have to crucify the flesh. That is part of the, the role. That is part of the, what you've signed up for. You can't follow Jesus Christ without crucifying the flesh. Basically what it means is that your flesh, your desires no longer rule over you. Because that's the situation you were in. You had no power to overcome flesh. It just didn't exist. There was a law that existed that said you will, you must, give in to your flesh. And that was the law that did exist. So we must learn to overcome the flesh and its rule over us. And there's a story again in the book of Genesis chapter 4 where Cain and Abel are two, you know, there's only like four or five people on earth at this point and then one of them decides to kill the other one because they offered a better sacrifice. But before that happened, I'm going to read this first, Genesis chapter 4 verse 7 and God says if you do well, will you not be accepted and if you do not If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. And this is something you need to realise. There will be times in your life when sin is crouching at the door. Difficulty, temptation, trial. It's crouching at the door and it wants to rule over you and bring you down. And what's going to be your response? Something I learned growing up, because again, in your life, it's very natural to have desires, it's very natural um, to want things, and, and growing up, obviously, you have a lot of desires and urges, all those kind of things, and Jesus, uh, sorry, I went, and as a Christian, you're saying, I want to live rightly, I want to live purely, I want to live before God, and, and I was praying to God, 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 will you take these things away, take these difficulties away, take these trials away. I don't want to deal with it. And, the, and God was like, no. I have done everything you need to overcome. I don't need to take it away. What you need to do is to choose to follow me. And sometimes we can say, God, will you take this away? But often God is saying, no. Will you choose to follow me in the difficulty? We want to get out of the situation. God said, no, will you choose me in the situation? Because the truth is, many wanted to follow Jesus. Many were really interested. They were like, wow, this guy's amazing. Does wonderful miracles. He's doing many things. And then when it came to the crunch, he said, okay, leave this and follow me. They were kind of like, well, I've just got to go and do this. I've just got to take care of this. I've just got to go and say goodbye to so-and-so. I've just got to go. I've just got to. I've just got to. I've just got to. But, but, but. Excuse, excuse, excuse. And we can live our Christian life like that where God is saying, will you come and will you follow me? Will you give your all to follow me and do my will? And it's like, yeah, yeah, I really want to, but I just need to take care of this first. First. And those are the desires of our flesh. Not that they're necessarily evil things, like I need to go and say goodbye to my family. Your family's not evil. But God's saying, will you put me first? As he said, seek first the kingdom of God, and all of these things shall be added unto you. It's not that God doesn't care about these things. But he's saying these things will only be fully satisfied. I'd realise if they're done in the light of my kingdom and in light of who I am. And if God is not first, then those things will be your God instead. And so we need to understand how we can overcome it. If you want to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And Paul gives us this picture in verse 27. He said, But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. He disciplines his body. And the idea here is, talking previously in the verse before, he's saying, I don't run aimlessly... I do not box as one beat in the air. He's talking about kind of sporting activity and discipline of the body. So that when you actually then enter the race, he's able to compete. He's able to succeed and win. And we have this picture because if... If you're into athletics or anything like that, some kind of sport, you don't wait till you get on the track. You don't wait till you get in the ring or you don't wait till you get on the pitch before you then work out what you should be doing. You don't then think, I really need to get training now, get my fitness up. By that point it's all a bit too late. The preparation is done beforehand. And so, for us, as Christians, our match, our competition, in a sense, are the trials and temptations that we will face, the life that we live. And if you are waiting until you get into that difficulty, before you prepare yourself for that difficulty, you will inevitably fail. And I think that's the trouble, that often we're not preparing ourselves and disciplining our bodies in a way that prepares us for the thing, that, the difficulty that is going to come our way. And that is in the body, it's in the mind, our thinking. We need to prepare ourselves so that when things come our way, we know how to respond. So that it's instinctive. And so what I've done for you, in a very numerical way, I've put down my top ten tips, say that quickly, top ten tips, for crucifying the flesh. They're in no particular order, although hopefully they may be. But the first thing, first tip, you need to practice, therefore, in the small things. Because what we're ultimately saying is, you need to learn to say no to yourself. Now, I am very bad at saying no to myself. As my stomach testifies, I do like an extra piece of cake sometimes. I don't like getting out of bed in the morning, especially when it is cold and dark. I'm so grateful now that it's getting lighter in the mornings because it's so hard. Now, I am a fan of a button. I I set my alarm every morning on my phone, and I am a fan of the snooze button. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I come on and press snooze, five minutes, snooze again. Because the truth is, I don't want to get out of bed. And not because I've got a terrible day ahead of me, I just like my bed. It's warm, I'm comfortable. Why would I want to get out? You know, there's no as long as I'm at work on time. But the thing God impressed on my heart is that all I'm doing is giving into my flesh. Now, this is not the this is not the hill to die on for me. It's an example of where I am able to learn to discipline my flesh. So that when my alarm goes off, just like it did this morning, I I had to do it today, otherwise I couldn't really preach. But (laughs) the alarm went off and I said, off and got up. Now, small thing, it's a small thing, but what I was doing in that moment was not indulging my flesh it might be something very different for you. Maybe it is that extra piece of cake, or, or maybe it's a piece of cake, full stop. You know, at the moment, if you uh, are aware, we're in a period of Lent. And in, I know in the Explorers group that Louise is doing, she got all the kids to give up something for Lent. Now, it's got to that crunch point now, where they're like, I didn't realize I was giving up for a whole 40 days. It was like, it seemed a good idea at the time to say, I'm not going to have fizzy drinks or I'm not going to have chocolate or crisps or whatever it might be. But now, when the rubber hits the road, it then gets a bit harder. They're feeling the pressure. And the idea of that is that we can just give up something and it helps us to train our body. And it might be for you doing it in a different way, but I want to ask that question where can you practice in the small things, disciplining yourself, whether it's getting up to pray, whether it's to read your Bible? Because sometimes, even if it's, say, okay, I'm going to commit to read a chapter of my Bible a, a day, it's not a hard thing. But even then, sometimes things just get in the way. And you're like, oh man, I didn't even get to do that. But it's a discipline. It's saying, I'm going to make sure I find time somewhere to do the thing I've said I'm going to do. And we discipline our body to do things that we don't necessarily want to do, things that are not necessarily easy for us to do. And I'm saying to you this, because what you're doing, you're learning to tell yourself no. So that when you get into a situation where you've got a temptation that's saying to you, you know what, you need this. You want this. This is good for you. There's no harm in this you can say no, because you've practised in advance to do that. Okay, second point. Know your position of authority over sin and the devil. And this is the good news, and this is why I was itching for a preaching as we were singing these songs, because I've been going through Romans, and it's good news. Because you read in Romans 6, verse 6, says, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. Now, what that means, brought to nothing, means rendered powerless. It's not gone, it's not ex- extinct, but it's rendered powerless. That's Romans 6, verse 6. And so we no longer need to be slaves to sin because I told you that there was a law that men You had to sin. It's like the law of gravity. So if I drop this, there is a law of gravity that says it will fall. No matter how many times I keep dropping this, it's still going to apply the same law. And that was the case for us, that there was a law of sin that meant no matter what you do, you're going to sin eventually. And if you try and obey God in your own strength, you will eventually fall because you cannot do it without him. Because the good news is, we go on in Romans into Romans eight, verse two. It says, "For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Jesus Christ from the law of sin and death." So sin and death is our gravity. We're going to fall. But there's a new law for those who are in Christ, which is the law of the spirit of life. And I flew to India in an aeroplane that had the law of gravity applying to it, but there was a greater law, which is the law of aerodynamics. I do not understand all that. Um, But by faith, I get in a plane and I go. I'm sure there's more about it than just what I've said. Um, But the truth is, there's a greater law that applies. And so the law of gravity has not been suspended, but it is, is succeeded by a greater law. And that is the truth for a Christian. The law of the spirit of death, sin and death, is still there, but you have a greater law, which is the spirit of life, which means you no longer have to give in to sin, and you have power over sin. You didn't have power before. You couldn't say no before. It was inevitable. But now it's no longer inevitable. But if we follow the spirit, we shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Amen? Hopefully that's good news to someone. Um, And then, so we have authority over sin. So I've been in places where I thought I might as well give in to sin because I'm going to sin eventually. And that's because I'm thinking, as a man thinks, because I'm thinking according to the law of sin and death. But the truth is you don't have to give in to sin if you submit yourself to God. And this is the truth about our authority over the devil that I hopefully am hammering home to you almost, I feel like, every time I speak. James chapter 4, verse 7 says, Submit to God which is our first thing. We have to submit to God because we can't do any of this if we're not submitted to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. There's clear authority given to those who are submitted to God. We must learn that we cannot tell the devil to flee if we are not submitted to God. That will not go well for you. But submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee. So you have authority over sin, you have authority over the enemy. Number three, don't be in the wrong place. Because we can sometimes just get in the wrong place and do the wrong thing. And if you read in 1 Peter 5.8, again a very famous verse. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Because I've said to you, the devil doesn't have authority if you're submitted to Christ, but if you are putting yourself in positions that are not where God wants you to be, then the enemy is prowling around like a lion, and you're fair game. So if you are finding yourself, putting yourself in places that you know you shouldn't be, you are susceptible to the devil. You are susceptible, susceptible to the flesh. Because if you have that picture of the lion, the lion will seek those who are isolated. They will seek those who are not with the pack, who are not where they should be, and he will devour. So don't be in the wrong place. Number four, deal well with your thoughts. Going back into Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Says, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. We take every thought captive. You know, you have thoughts, things come into your mind. This is temptations. Temptations are temptations. There's nothing wrong with temptations, but the question then is how you respond to that temptation. That is the real issue. And God is saying, you need to take every thought captive to the truth of Christ, to make it obedient to Christ. Because, as I am saying, your flesh, you will have thoughts that are used to happening outside of your relationship with God. That you are used to acting in a way, behaving in a way, providing for yourself in a way that is separate from God. And God is saying, no, you need to now check that thought and bring it into obedience to Christ, to take it captive. I had this phrase, I thought, An unchecked seed will produce wild fruit. An unchecked seed will produce wild fruit. And sometimes we have these things, we have a thought, and we just let it sit there. We let it drift. We let it embed somewhere. We don't take it captive. We play with it a little bit. We toy with it. We give it ground. We give it air. We've got to say, no, you need to take this captive. You need to lock it up and throw away the key. You need to reject it and get it out call it out for what it is. So don't play with your temptations, but bring your thoughts in line with truth. So you get a thought, you say, is this true? Is it true? Is this what God thinks? Is it in line? So when you say, I need this, there's a very famous story with, if I remember the names correctly, Jacob and Esau. And Jacob, uh, Esau's been out in the field doing a lot of work and he comes in and Jacob's just been sitting there doing a bit of cooking you know, and you know when you come in and it smells so good after a long day's work and the food's there and he's like I want the food and he says to Jacob I will exchange my birthright for this bowl of food because if I don't get it I'm going to die and you think what an idiot idiot now, he might have been hungry, he might have been tired, he was not going to die. But there's times in our bodies, in our flesh, in our desires that we think, if I don't have this, I'm going to die. And it's a lie. If I, I, you can think that when I was in India, I think if I don't have my clothes, I'm going to die. What will people think of me? Who cares? Who cares? I might smell a little bit. Who cares? Hopefully the fragrance of Christ through the preaching of the word will overcome the smell of the body. (laughs) So you bring your thoughts in line with God's truth. And if it's not in line with God's truth, you kick that out. You have nothing to do with it. Number five, don't feed your flesh. Because you might have heard this story about two wolves. And the two wolves are there, one is flesh and one is spirit. The question is, out of these two, which will overcome, which will succeed? And the truth is, the one you feed will succeed. And if you feed your flesh, if you're always giving into it, if you're always doing what the flesh wants, then your flesh will win. If your life is filled with things that are just fleshly, your flesh will win. It's inevitable what goes in will come out. It's just nature, you know don't be surprised that if you spend all your time just doing things that are natural, doing things that are fleshly then the fruit of that will be flesh the fruit of that will be sin there's no there's a, it's, it's just simple really but we think we think we can be we're the ones who are the exception to the rule. you know what I can just watch as much TV as I want and it doesn't matter. And I'll I'll watch four hours of TV and spend five minutes reading my Bible. And that's how we think we can live. And it's just foolishness. And we know that. Each of you knows that. going, Yeah, I know that. But we still do it. And think, why isn't my life just full of the spirit and love and peace? And that's why. Number six. So we cut off anything that hinders you. And that means sometimes you have to be ruthless, that there are things that are going to hold you back. There are things that are not actually sin, but they're just not good, they're not helpful. Cut them off, kick them out, because our goal is the outward call of Jesus Christ. That is our goal. And maybe you've got the wrong goal, and you're not, the aim is not to win the race. And we live in a society where it says, as long as you turn up and, you know, participate, here's an award for participation... I don't want an award for participation. I want to succeed. I want to achieve what Christ has called me to do. And so we must cut off anything that hinders us. There's uh, there's a phrase, I think it was in rowing, it says, whenever they made a decision, the question they asked themselves was, does it make the boat go faster? So when it's, shall I have a Big Mac tonight? Does it make the boat go faster? (laughs) They were athletes, we're not, so that's all right. You can have a Big Mac. But the question is, does it make the boat go faster? Does it achieve my goal? Does it help me achieve my goal? Number seven, look for your way of escape. And this is a great promise that God gives us in 1 Corinthians 10 Verse 13, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. So that gets rid of our excuses of this is too tough. Um, But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape. So this is what I'm saying. You bring your thoughts into line with truth. And so when you feel in a situation, think, God, there is no way out of this, I am trapped, that is a lie. Because God said in every situation he will provide for you a way of escape. And so you need to take him by his truth and then look for that way of escape. The trouble is we can sometimes see the way of escape, we're just not willing to take it because it means we don't get what we want or it's awkward or it's difficult. But if you think about Joseph in Potiphar's house where he had this Maybe quite a beautiful lady throwing herself at him, his way of escape eventually was to run. Literally, he legged it. Maybe your way of escape in some situations is to literally run away. Not just saying, Oh, I'm just not gonna give it, but I need to leave. I need to get out of this place. Look for your way of escape. Number eight. We need to renew our mind in accordance to God's standards, not pursuing the world. Because again, if our mind is just given to the world, what the world thinks, and again, the world is spewing a lot of stuff out at the moment. John spoke on some of it last week. The world's giving you a lot of stuff, but will you choose to believe the word of God and allow your thoughts, your thinking, your mind to be conformed to his opinion, his ways, and not the ways of the world? Number nine, learn to be content. Paul said, I've learned to be content in all things, whether I have much or whether I have little. I've learned to be content because the desires of the flesh will come against that and say, I need more. I need more. The flesh will always crave a bit more. But if we learn to be content, when those desires come, we can say, No, I don't need more. Again, it's not true. And number 10, focus on serving God. If all we do is look at our sin, that's not going to be very healthy for us. Our focus should be on serving God, doing the thing that he has called us to do. As he said, as I said earlier, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That is your promise. That is your promise from God that you need to take and you need to hold on to. Because the danger is, our life is just encumbered with a load of junk because our goal is not the kingdom of God. And all the other stuff becomes our goal. And we never grow, we never mature, we never go on in God. Because we're so focused on all the other stuff. But there's a promise of God that your life comes when you focus on him. If you seek to save your life, you will lose it. If you seek to construct everything for yourself, you're never going to succeed. But if you lose your life, if you say that stuff doesn't matter, and I'm going to follow God, you will gain your life. This is the promise of God. So focus on serving God. Entrust your life to him. So we have this call before God that we want to be free to follow him. But we can't be unaware that our flesh will seek to draw us away from these things and therefore we need to learn to overcome. We need to learn to discipline our bodies, transform our minds, that we might be prepared to follow God. What I encourage you to do just in terms of a bit of response is to think about one way that you can change today. I talked about practicing in the small things. Think about where's one thing that maybe it'll be helpful for me to learn to say no. We're not talking about the big battle, we're talking about the little battles, you know, the things that, you know, generally it's quite easy. But sometimes you you just don't tend to give in, you just tend to just do that thing. What's the small thing that you can practice saying no, that you're preparing yourself for the bigger battle ahead? Don't think about too many things, because we can say, right, I'm going to do it in this, 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 and we list off 20 things that we're going to then do, and you will fail because, you know, that's how we are. Start small and build and discipline just like if you were starting to go and do a marathon, you don't start by doing a 26 mile run, you start by doing a couple of K or something like that. You know, you start small and you build up, but you do build up. So, think of one way in which you could change today. We need to give ourselves fully to God, and I felt that in our worship today as well that there was that call. Uh, based on the wonders of what God has done for us, the response, just like the response of Isaiah, which says, here I am, send me. It's that fully, fully given over to him. And maybe, again, it's very interesting, because I don't think we're ever fully given to God. We think we are, and then about a year later, we realise we were never fully given in that time. Because we, but it's a growth. It's something we, we move into. But in your mind, is there anything today that you're withholding And I encourage you to fully give yourself to God and lay down those other things that are seeking to distract you from him. And the last thing, and I love this, is to apply the sword. We need to apply the sword. It says in Ephesians 6 to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. I love that, that you've got the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. I don't really understand. All I know is that you've got this thing that's a weapon that's very sharp and you've got the spirit and you've got the word and it's all there together and we take it and that's good for cutting things that's good for hacking at things and so where you've got these things that are hindering you we take the sword of the spirit which is the power of God and we cut off we take the truth the word of God and we cut off the lies we say, these things are not going to hinder me anymore. I am a child of God. and The purpose of God in my life is to walk free and I will not come under the slavery of sin in my life. I will not give in to the flesh, but I will walk free. And if I fall, he is merciful and he will restore me and forgive me. But that, my aim, my goal, is the upward call of Christ, to follow him, to serve him, and I encourage you to not let be, not be unaware and to let sin, to let this flesh, this body, hinder you. If anything, make it work for you as you go and you, you glorify God. Amen. Let's stand, actually. I just want to pray for you. Let's uh, exercise our flesh and stand up if you can. Sometimes our flesh doesn't want to be obedient. <laughs> just remember where it says in the Psalms, where David says he, he commands his soul to worship the Lord. You know, your flesh doesn't always want to do what you should do. Sometimes you've got to tell it to do it. But We're going to pray and just take the sword of the Spirit and cut off those things which hinder us from following, following God. Lord, we come now. And you put on our hearts those lies, Lord, that will seek to hinder us, those practices that have been ingrained into our flesh. Lord, and we take the sword of the Spirit and declare the word of God over those things, that those things are broken in the Lord Jesus Christ. That He has overcome death, He has overcome sin. That they are powerless over us. We are not futile anymore. We are not doomed these things anymore but we have the law of the spirit of life applied over our lives that means we are free to serve God we are free to follow God and the question today is will we choose to do so may we say in our hearts right now I I choose to follow you Lord I choose to say no to those things that will hinder me and bring draw me back and I choose to seek first the kingdom of God and I choose to seek first his righteousness, and I entrust all the other things unto you, Lord God, that I might be free to glorify you in my body, that you might receive the glory that is due your name. Here I am. Send me, Lord. Here I am. Send me. May that be our cry in your heart this morning. Amen.